Good morning, men. Well, let's just go ahead and pray. Uh, just thank you, Lord, for this time. Just thank you, Lord, for this beautiful weather you've been giving us. I uh, just pray, Lord, that you just make the Holy Spirit known. I know he's already here, but just make him known today, Lord God. And uh, uh, just we just want to hear from you today. Not from me, but from you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So when I was asked to come up here and speak, I was like, okay. I'm not a public speaker. I have a kind of like a stuttering problem. I'm kind of like Moses, so so I'll, that's why I always get nervous when they ask me to come talk or give a speech or anything. But when I was when Pastor asked me to come up here and speak, I was like, sure, I'll do it. So about a month ago, I started preparing for this. I was up in the library studying. I had everything prepared, and then I listened to Bray two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever it was, and that's when God said, "Okay, you're going to give your testimony." I'm like. Really, God? <laughs> I said, I've already given it. You have given it in other places, but not here. So y'all are going to get to know who I am. Y'all see me, but y'all don't really know me. Even JR, one of my closest friends right here, doesn't really know where I came from. So um, so here we go. So my parents are but my, uh, my parents are from Mexico. They, uh, they were born in Mexico. My dad came first to the United States. Then my mom came later. I still remember when we'd go home, we'd go visit in the summertime in Mexico, but we'd have to stay two or three two or three months out of the year because my parents they didn't have they weren't citizens of the United States at that point. I remember with I would my brother and I, just I have one brother, we would cross with my aunt because my brother and I are citizens. We would cross, and then we'd have to go pick up my parents down the road down the Rio Grande after they swam across the river. So we'd have to go pick them up to bring them back. So they finally got their citizenship back in 84. Uh, my dad was a hardcore cowboy. <laughs> he was probably one of the last few real cowboys to, you know, it's a dying profession. So he was one of the real last cowboys left. So I was raised in ranches all my life. In Nerevisa, New Mexico, I mean, it's just a town that's about to die. We'd have to ride the bus to Logan, New Mexico, which was about 25 miles away. And then for some odd reason, my dad decided to move us to Los Angeles, California for a year. So going from a small town to California to Los Angeles was like, whoa, what a, it was a culture shock. So then we moved back. But then again, we moved to a, to a ranch by Hayden, New Mexico. If you've never heard of Hayden, New Mexico, I mean, it's not there. It's probably like two houses, and that's about it. But it was a ranch, and we had to go to school 30 miles away, and the school we went to was Amistad, and it was all the way up to the sixth grade. So once I got to the seventh grade, I had to go to another school, which was about an hour away, which was Mascaro, New Mexico. And I always tell my wife, you know, the closest town was 45 minutes away. And then we went, when we went into town, we'd go to Delhart, which was about an hour and 15 minutes away from where we were. So that was my final stopping point was Del Hart. I mo we moved to Del Hart when we were in eighth grade. Like I said, my dad was a cowboy. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She never, she never learned to drive, so she, always felt, she was always following my dad. But my dad was, being Mexican, <laughs> he was very prideful, very prideful. But he was a hard worker. Him and my mom were hard workers, so they instilled that in me. My dad was a provider. But the thing about my dad was, I mean, he really didn't 
since he was a prideful man, he really didn't say I love you much. As a matter of fact, I don't even ever remember him saying I love you. I don't ever remember him hugging me. I remember last night we did some genograms at our marriage ministry. And he just criticized a lot. He always used to say, you're going to be good for nothing. You won't amount to anything. You're worthless. All the time, I heard that over and over. And I remember in seventh grade, when we were still living out in the Hayden Ranch, we were working cattle. It was harvest, or not harvest, it was um, shipping season. Either it was shipping season or branding season. So we were gathering all the cattle up there, and we were on, on horseback. And I was sitting there on my horse, and my dad and his friends were there. And he started criticizing me the way I was riding my horse. I forgot how I was doing it, but I remember right at that point, I started resenting my dad right there. And I'll never forget that. At that point, that's when I started resenting him. And my mom would always tell me, you know your dad loves you. I'm like, inside I was thinking, no, no, he doesn't. No, whatever. I'd say, okay, and just move on. So I was really close to my mom because she's the one that gave me the, all the affection. Like I said, she was a stay-at-home mom. She was quiet, very quiet, hard worker, great cook, got all my affection and love from her. But the thing about my parents was they were what I call hardcore Catholics. <laughs> they were, so I was raised Catholic. I remember sitting, or so at least I knew who Jesus was, but I really didn't have a relationship with him. I just followed the steps. I could still walk into a Catholic church and know exactly when to sit, know exactly when to kneel and everything. So nothing's really changed. And <clears throat> during Lent season, I remember that was the time I dreaded the most because my parents would make us pray every single day. I mean, read the rosary, read some other little pamphlet that they had or something else, but we would pray for 40 days straight every day. And I remember sitting on the side of the bed and I couldn't lean over like that. They said, no, get up, sit straight. So my brother and I were sitting straight like that. Oh, man, my, our backs were hurting, and we were kneeling. Like, And it would be 30 or 45 minutes long. I'm like, geez, is this ever going to end? So we hated those 40 days. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> again, when you're, you know, Bray said he was Catholic. Being Mexican, we were raised Catholic. So I remember sitting in Sunday school class, well, probably in seventh or eighth grade. And I remember reading this, looking at this book, and in this book, it's had Jesus, Jesus up here where the priest stands. And I started reading, and it said, when you look at the priest, you look at Jesus. So I had, wow, so I had a warped view of Jesus at that point. I'm like, huh, really? So from that point on, I used to think of preachers and priests as being like super holy, like way up here, you know. You know, like right, almost equal to Jesus. So I remember that. I'm like, remember that. <clears throat> My parents, uh, so another thing is I suffered from depression also. My mom had depression. My mom's side of the family has depression. My dad's side of the family has depression. So I got a, dam a double whammy of, of depression. On top of that, my dad's side of the family, they have a lot of anger, a lot of anger issues, especially the men. Uh, I remember when I started getting mad, they, my aunts would always tell me, oh, the cruise is coming out of you, the cruise is coming out of you, because I would just get so mad. 
So since I grew up in the 90s, I used to listen to a lot of grunge music. And if you've ever listened to grunge music, it is depressing. And so being depressed all the time and adding <laughs> grunge music to it didn't help much. So I was always depressed. And I remember the, the day that I used to hate the worst was Sundays. For some odd reason, I was always sad on Sundays, and I did not look forward to Sundays. So when Saturday night came around, it'd be hard for me to go to sleep because I knew Sunday was coming around, and I was always sad. I had a lot of, through my high school years, I had a lot of suicidal thoughts, probably because of the music I listened to didn't help much. But my mom and dad didn't fight or anything. They weren't abusive. I guess my dad was, sort of. Whenever I'd just get in trouble, I'd get spanked maybe a little too much than I needed to. But for the most part, they didn't fight. They didn't, they didn't punch each other or, or anything. But I always was depressed, and I always had suicidal thoughts. And one day in high school, I was sitting on the side of my bed with the lights turned off, just sitting there. I guess I was contemplating suicide because my brother walked in on me. He got scared, and he was going to go run and tell my mom. And I had to tackle him <laughs> and beat him up so he would keep his mouth shut. So we, since coming from a small town in Delhart, there's nothing to do except cow tipping and a lot of drinking. <laughs> so I did a lot of drinking, but that didn't do anything for me. I did some chemicals. Let's just put it as chemicals, and that didn't do anything for me. But the thing that really, where I really felt relief where I would go to was I was a cutter. I would always get a knife and cut myself. That's where I would get my relief. That's where I would get my high would be off a knife. But I didn't want people to see it, so I just cut on my, on my chest. And I was like, man, that's not normal. I knew that was demonic, because, I mean, who would want to cut themselves? But that was the way I would get my relief, was through cutting. So I graduate, and, you know, when I graduated from high school and from college and got promoted on my jobs, not one single time did my dad ever say, you know, I'm proud of you or any of that, so I held a lot of resentment towards him for a long time, because I just really didn't think he loved me, even though my mom would always tell me that, but I never heard it from him, really. And then by the time he did, down in his older years when he was dying, then by that point I was like, eh, it's kind of a little too late, you know, but anyways, so I moved to Dallas to go to college there, and I started work for this company called Nest Entertainment, and a lot of and they sold animated Bible videos for children. And there were a lot of kids, high school, I mean, college kids like me that worked there from a college called Christ for the Nations Institute. So I started becoming friends with a lot of them. So then we would start having debates between, because I'm Catholic, and you know, when you're raised Catholic, it's Catholic, you know. So you have a lot of pride in being a Catholic. <clears throat> so I'd always get into debates with them, and one of the things they would always say is, well, why do you pray to, what do you call it, idols? Like, what are you talking about, idols? You know, to the saints, you know, like St. Paul, St. Peter, St. Augustine. Well, I didn't know much about that because I never opened a Bible in my life, so I didn't really have any room to stand on. So in March of 97, I was sitting in an apartment in Dallas. I remember that. And I was sitting there, and I was like, you know what? I don't know where I got this Bible. I may have went and bought it or somebody gave it to me, but I had a Bible and I started reading it. One of the first verses I read 
was Matthew 23, 9. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Going back to being younger in Catholic school, a priest would walk in on, I'd only go to Catholic school on Sundays, you know, during Sunday school. So the priest would walk in. So whenever the priest would walk in, everybody had to stand up. And you couldn't sit down until he told you to sit down. So I was, so he started, and I hated being picked on to ask questions because I just always was scared that I was always give the wrong answer. So he picked on me, and he goes, he asked me, I forgot what he asked me. So I kept calling him, sir, sir, sir. And he goes, okay, stop right there. He goes, stop. I am Father Ray. You call me Father Ray. Not sir, that you call me Father Ray. I was like, uh, okay, sir, I meant Father Ray or whatever. <laughs> so because he embarrassed me in public, I started resenting him too. It's <laughs> like, no, you're not going to talk to me like that. <clears throat> but then when I read that verse, it says, do not call anyone on earth your father. You know, Catholics and the priests are called, call them father. <laughs> so it's like, but right here it says, do not call anyone on earth your father. So I was like, oh, one is your father who is in heaven. I was like, okay. The next verse I read was 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I was like, so I don't have to go to the priest to confess my sins? I could just talk to God myself? I can ask him for forgiveness. That right there blew me away. And that's when I professed my faith to Christ was right there and then. But you know, our bodies are like the, are the temple of God now. They're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I said yes to Jesus at that point, but I really didn't accept them all the way through. I think of it like a house or like a temple. So I just let Jesus on the porch. I didn't let him all the way in. So he's just sitting there on my porch ringing my doorbell, but I knew who he was at that point because like, oh, wow, I, can, I know who Jesus is. So when I got saved, man, instead of going to the club, instead of drinking, I started hanging out with those guys from my work, and every Friday night we would go have a Bible study. John, that's what we were read was John, and that was awesome. Right after our Bible study, we'd sit in the parking lot, and one of my friends would pull out the guitar, and we would sing praise and worship songs until about 2 or 3 in the morning. It was my friend's, my friend's dad. He was the pastor of that church. And he said, okay, just, you know, I'm going to lock up. Stay out here, but just don't get into any trouble, okay? But what trouble we'd get into? All we did was sing praise and worship songs all night long. Man, it was fun. Those were, the, those were some good times because, man, I really got started getting close to Jesus at that point. But after a while, you know, everything goes away. You know, everybody starts going their own ways. Everybody starts getting married. So I ended up getting married. My whole goal in life after I graduated college was I was going to go move to Colorado. I really didn't like people just because I had that wall with my dad that I put up a wall where I didn't like people too much. So I really wanted to move to Colorado. I really wanted to live up in the mountains with the squirrels because <laughs> I didn't have to deal with people. So when I got married, I've been married once. I've been married twice. This is my third marriage. I don't really like talking about that, but, but it's, it's the truth. 
So with my first wife, we were going to move to Colorado. We're up in Colorado. We're getting ready to move there, but we couldn't find an apartment. We couldn't find an apartment. So we finally saw this house, and we're like, all right, we're going to move there. I was like, okay, to get the number. But the, at that point, we didn't, there weren't no cell phones. And the pen that we were going to write didn't work. So we couldn't even write down the phone number. So I was like, okay, God, I know where you want us. So that's how I ended up back in Amarillo. But you see, I was a baby Christian. I was still learning what it meant to be a Christian. But my wife, she was raised Christian all her life. So she was pushing me to be a spiritual leader. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and, and then she said, you need to get water baptized too. And I'm like, well, I was already baptized as a baby when I was Catholic. She goes, you need to get water baptized. You need to get water baptized. Fine, I'll get water baptized. But I got water baptized just to get her off my back. I really didn't know what that meant. At that point, I'd only been saved maybe one or two years. She didn't want to have kids and pressure from my family to have kids and pressure from being the spiritual leader. Finally, we went our separate ways. No kids. I wanted to have kids, so I rushed into another marriage so I could have kids. I ended up having two kids, which I'm thankful for. But I remember praying, do I need, I remember God verbally, or I could hear his voice, and he said, no, don't marry her, no. But I still did it, and of course, ended up being in divorce. It was such a physical and verbally abusive marriage from both of us. Boy, we both put on our boxing gloves, and we both put on our boxing gloves with our mouth and just tear at each other. So that wasn't good. So in 2007 is one of my lowest points in my life. I mean, it, I just hit emotionally. That depression just overcame me. During this whole time, I was still cutting. I still did not overcome that. I was still cutting. 2007, I got my second divorce. So I was already, as a man, my pride was a failure at that point. My house got foreclosed because I couldn't afford that by myself. And then my little brother, my baby brother, who I, I really don't have a relationship with, he's four years younger than me, he ends up buying, buying a house. I'm getting foreclosed. He buys a big house. I'm like, what is going on? And I couldn't handle that. September of 2007, I remember picking up that knife, and I just, as hard as I could, made a big X. I mean, a huge X, carved a huge X on my chest. And I said, Satan, just take me because I couldn't do it, but I said, Satan, take me away. And I don't remember what happened from there to December 2008, but obviously he didn't take me. All I can think about is Job, when the devil went up to, to, to God and said, or yeah, when the devil went up to God and said, you know, I think of that, and he said, he said to take his life. And God said, no, you're not taking his life, he's mine. So in 2007, that December, one of my coworkers invited me over to a, to a New Year's Eve party. But it was a Christian New Year's Eve party. It was just all Christians from the church that he went to. And we played games, and it was fun. No alcohol involved or anything. I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this church a try. So I started going to Grace Church over there on Plains and Western. So I started going to church, and I remember going into the restroom, and the pastor was there, 
I said, hey, pastor, how's it going? He goes, man, not very good. I was like, oh, really? He goes, yeah, not, not feeling it today. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he's about to preach. He gets up there and preaches. I'm like, blows me out of the water. And I'm like, what in the world happened there? So I started listening, you know, I, later on I started listening to his sermons more. And, and he said, you know, I'm human just like everybody else. He goes, I don't want to get up and pray or read every day. And he goes, and I'm the pastor, and I don't want to do that. And he goes, but I'm just only human. And I started realizing that he's just like me. I don't want to get up and pray and read my Bible every day either. And he said, he always said, I always get so nervous to get up there and preach, but you can never tell. But I know that that's the Holy Spirit leading him. So I'm like, wow, so he's just like me. So that's when I realized that he's not Jesus, <laughs> that the pastor's not Jesus, that he's a human or a man just like me. I started going to that church, but I didn't like it the first three weeks. I'd go on Sunday, didn't like it. Went on Wednesday, didn't like it. But I kept going for some reason. I kept going back even though I didn't like the sermons. Then on Wednesday, on a Wednesday, he preached out of Isaiah. And he was talking about God being your father and then the next chapter right after that was God being your righteous judge. He's also your father, but he's also your judge. And that clicked with me. So I actually recommitted my life at that point. But then again, I let Jesus only into the foyer. So he's now in the foyer of my temple. So I started going to church. I mean, I started going to men's group. And then he did water baptisms on Wednesdays. On Wednesday nights, he'd always do once a month. He'd do water baptism on Wednesday nights. But for some reason, on June 22nd, 2008, he decided to give a water baptism on a Sunday. And he'd have two, second, two services. I used to go to the second service because I just didn't want to wake up early. I wanted to sleep in late. And he'd already had his list of people who were going to get water baptized. Then he gives an open invitation during the sermon. He goes, hey, who, wa who else wants to get water baptized? And then for some odd reason, it had a tug of saying, raise your hand. Raise your hand. And I'm like, no, I was already water baptized twice. I don't need a third time. So I'm sitting there. And my, I could feel my hands wanting to go up. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then I start crying. I start crying at that point. Like, no, I don't want to. And before you know it, I hear the pastor say, all right, thank you, Oscar, I got you. I'm like, what? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> so I didn't even take any extra clothes or bring a towel or anything. But my kids were there. So I get water baptized. And for the first time when I got water baptized, we talked about this at our life group a few weeks ago. When was the first time you ever felt the Holy Spirit? And that was the first time ever when the, when the pastor dunked me. I felt the old Oscar going down and the new Oscar come up. I felt that. I felt it like never before. That depression, boom, gone. That cutting, boom, gone. 
I was telling the pastor the other day, I don't even like getting, going to the doctor anymore and getting pricked with needles because it hurts like crazy. <laughs> so that was completely gone. I finally let Jesus into my inner sanctuary of my heart. I finally let him take full control of my life. And when I got saved, did you know you get a fruit basket when you get saved? Galatians 5, 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, that's why I call it a fruit basket, the fruit of the Spirit is love. I felt love for the first time. I had joy. I had peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When I felt that for the first time, it, it completely turned my life around. And ever since then, I've been walking obediently with Jesus. And they really, at that church, they really practice about reading your Bible every day. So they have a, we, I ended up getting one of the yearly Bibles. So I read my Bible every day from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation every year. I've been doing that since 2008. So this is my 10th year of going straight through the Bible every day. Because I didn't know how to study the Bible. I didn't know where to go, where to start. So I just read it every day. Every day, I'll read something. Maybe I don't get something one day, but then I'll get something another day. But then, there's, I've read it ten years for 10 years, and I still find nuggets in there. Something always speaks out to me. It's just amazing what, what God can do, do for you. You read your Bible so many times, and then you're like, what, that was in there? I didn't even know that. So, in I'm, I'm going to go ahead and conclude here. So, when I got when I got saved, I, I really have a problem with trusting people. So one of the first things I I did was whenever a pastor reads or preaches in the verses he gives, I always read to make sure that what he's preaching or Bible verses he's giving aligns with what he's preaching. I heard a pastor say, "Don't ever trust the pastor." <laughs> Always make sure and verify it yourself that he's preached whatever he's preaching is right. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Except Pastor Curtis. He's right on. You don't even have to open your Bible. <laughs> it's like, okay. Stay with the word. Read your word, because that's the only way you're gonna there's so many you open a phone book. There used to be phone books, you millennials. <laughs> and there was a big old yellow book. But you look up you go and look up churches, and you'll probably find 20 pages in churches. So when I was trying to find a church, <laughs> there's, did you know there's a first Baptist, a second Baptist? I even saw a third Baptist. Like, what is a third Baptist? <laughs> so stay in the word. And then I'm going to conclude with this. When did you taste the fruits of the Spirit? When was that first day that you felt the love of Jesus? When was the first day you felt joy, peace, patience? All right, gentlemen, thank you. Uh, let's go ahead and end in prayer. Just thank you, Lord, for your time. <laughs> thank you for this day. Uh, just thank you, Lord, for letting me get through this and giving me the strength to get this. And I just pray, Lord, that whatever I taught, it'll teach, it'll, somebody here will hear that word and go with something, Lord, for them for the rest of this week. <laughs> In your name we pray. Amen.